0: Ladies and gentlemen, and today I'm really delighted to be speaking to Hamid Ali, also known as A.H. Almas, that's his pen name. His work has had a really big impact on my growth and the way that I coach. I'm not a member of the Diamond Approach, which is the school that he was the founder of, but I have been on a retreat with Hamid and Karen Johnson. Wow. I don't know quite some years back in Amsterdam. And I look back on that week very, very fondly. Um, yeah. And why, why is Hamid's work relevant for coaches? That's a, that, Because I'm, I'm bringing not always coaches to you. I'm not not always talking specifically about coaching. I've said this in other podcasts. I want to bring things outside the realm of coaching that can inspire the work you do and expand the way you think about coaching. And Hamid's work, really, when you start to hear in this podcast, we'll talk about the way that Hamid sees growth and unfolding and the way that they work with their students. This way of being with someone so that you are Uh, attuned to them and you're in contact with them and that you're not coaching them from a, you're not being with them from a mental place, trying to get to a destination, but from a place of deep beingness in a way that allows them to be where they are, which then allows their unfolding to take place because they're not rejecting anything in their experience. And Hamid will share how everything is interconnected. So once you allow someone to be where they are, their experience begins to reveal its depths and unfold. And so I think that is an exceptional way to be with our coaching clients. So we'll also talk about Hamid's take on purpose. We'll talk about the personal essence. I think that's a really important part of their work. This is, well, I'll let Hamid explain that, but we'll also talk about purpose and why Hamid doesn't like to use the word purpose and actually how he speaks about purpose instead. I think that's also a really interesting part. Just a few more words about Hamid. Uh, He is the founder of the Diamond Approach. You can find out more about them at diamondapproach.org. And it's really cool right now because they're bringing a lot of their work online due to the pandemic. And I think that's That's exciting because it makes it more accessible for people. They have some of their inquiry groups opening up and Hamid will be doing different teachings online, uh, some really interesting looking ones. So I invite you to check that out on their website. And as usual, if you are not on our mailing list, you want to stay in the loop, head to coachesrising.com and just put your name in the sign up box there. And if you share this podcast, I'd be grateful. So... Let's dive in without further ado. Here is Hamid Ali. Hamid, it's great to be with you today. And I'm, I'm really excited and honored to be speaking
1: with you, actually. So how are you? I'm doing well, and I'm here to be of use. I uh, hope yeah. so I can say something or point to something that would be useful for many people. That yeah. is my... I function in this world is to be useful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, I I think I'm sure that will happen. And um, I think there's a lot uh, that the diamond approach has to uh, bring of use to coaching. And so we'll talk about some of those things today, but maybe a good place to start is just maybe starting on a quite a high level. Could you say a few things about how you see like that your your map of human growth, you know, how you see that and how it's different from perhaps other traditions, therapy,
1: pure therapy, or pure spiritual paths? Yeah, um, it is a spiritual path. I mean, my work is a spiritual, spiritual teaching. I do use psychological knowledge a lot. I use much of Western psychology, different parts of it and some Western philosophy and stuff like that. But the orientation is spiritual, uh, meaning... And spiritual doesn't mean excluding other things. doesn't mean excluding the mental or the physical. Spiritual, for me, means the whole, the wholeness. So the wholeness includes our spirit instead of staying just with the body or just with the mind including the dimension of spri- spiritual nature, which is our true beingness, our true consciousness, and the beingness of everything. So that can go very deep and far and far and subtle because the spiritual universe is a vast universe similar to how the vast the physical universe is. for instance, we know the, in the universe the, spirit, the physical universe, It's really vast and we're discovering more and more of it and it seems to be more vast, more mysterious. The spiritual universe is something like that. It's not just one state of being that people experience, like you experience consciousness and awareness and that's it. That is sort of the ground, just like space and the physical world is the ground, but there's a lot that happens. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of... Realms of experience, let's put it that way. Instead of galaxies, it's the realms, the dimensions of experience. And uh, all those are potentials for the human being, potential experience for the human being. So the idea is that as one delves into the path and engages the practices one's uh, life and one's universe is expanded and uh, one's horizons are extended so that what we call subjective experience becomes a whole universe of interesting subtle, deep, profound and all kind of um, colorful and beautiful kind of uh, universe. While the outside world is the world that most people know, but in in the process, it begins to look differently and has a different meaning. Mm -hmm. So as a result, one's own experience transforms, and that process, one's uh, way of living changes and transforms to correspond with the increased awareness of what one is because of our sense of identity, who we are, what we are, changes and develop and transform from one dimension to another, one realm to another. And that is bound to affect our attitude, our communications, our actions, the way we live our life, why we live our life, and... uh, the purpose of life and we really the way i see we become more human because human beings are really have all that potential and most human beings live only part a small part of the potential and the people call that human i mean in fact most people when they talk about human they talk about human failings oh this is just human right you know you know he's mad and angry whatever that's human that's true, but that's a very small part of being human, also human being being sensitive, being intelligent, being compassionate, being loving, being deep, being the stillness of the universe, being you know the <laughs> intelligence that goes through the universe that has evolved the universe to be where we are as a human being who can reflect on all of it and know it and marvel at it and also live live in it so our life is transformed i mean my life transformed and continues to transform and as a it's a continuous transformation first of all i don't adhere to the point of view of some of the teaching which you get awakened and you transform and that's it for me, that's very static and limiting. I mean, that happens. but happens many times over. So there isn't. Just like in the Zen, they say, after each satori, there's another satori. Which means after each awakening, there's another awakening. It doesn't end. Because our potential is infinite. It can't end. So it's a process of transformation and and uh, expansion of our experiential horizons and the qualities of experience, and um, what we can experience, and how we experience. And then also, that translates into our relationship and our interactions, and our life, and what we want to do or not want to do, and, and how we care about our planet, Or Earth, humanity, society, all of that get impacted because uh, this path I'm on is not about being spiritual and being free from the physical world. No, the physical world is part of the spiritual and the spiritual expresses itself in the physical world we're in as long as we have a body. Mm. Very important. I
0: I think... um... That there's um, I think for a lot of people there's like a traditional form of spirituality which is really focused on the impersonal or no self and what I really love about what you're saying is you're, you're actually acknowledging the human and the, the the mystery and the wonder of being human and also that it's that it's in life you know that it's actually responding in contact with with life and that seems particularly important in these times as well maybe it always has been but um i'm just wondering um if you could say a bit more about that because i think that path maybe feels more appealing to a lot of people where it it not it doesn't just reject the the personal but it actually um includes it as part of the path but the personal
1: is transformed yeah you know an interesting thing to contrast it with the impersonal paths you know the many paths who go to transcendence and impersonalness and they think they're just pure or cosmic consciousness and and they're not really the the self and, or the individual and and they are more the Brahman or the ultimate or this and that, and all that's true, however. <laughs> When you're talking to somebody and saying that, and they'll say, well, who who are you? I mean, this ultimate, who's it coming through? It's coming through a human being. It can't come but through a human being. A human being is actually the one who's experiencing it and it's happening through them, for them. And, And so the transcendent path is... It's a matter of emphasis, but they cannot, you know, negate the human. It's not possible because the human is necessary for experience. So, and the path I'm on is not only to see human as necessary for experience, it's important. The human, all of this, even the transcendent, is the potential of the human. Without humans, nobody will know there is transcendent. You know, without us, human beings or beings, individual beings. You know, the other planet might not be humans, but there'd be individual beings who have a spirituality or whatever. But, you know, being requires beings for being, pure being, to be experienced and to, to manifest, and to know itself and to express itself. And this path, take this into consideration and recognize its importance, that uh, it's a matter of wholeness, of bringing other dimensions to our ordinary life, not replacing it with something wonderful. Mm. And I'd love
0: to sort of talk to you about the the four turnings that you've outlined or... or, um... Written about, yeah, but you, you read my latest books. Yeah, <laughs> do, do you um, do you think these? I don't know if this is the case, but do you think these times we're in right now with all this polarization and the seeming crises we face, um, that they are, are have a certain kind of they're evoking something inside of us in particular, you know, like they're emphasizing some, um, part of our growth which is necessary um, yeah does that make sense what i'm
1: saying there like you know well, maybe
0: yeah
1: yeah i mean obviously what's happening is around the world and the whole thing about pandemic social thing political thing many things happening i mean it is like an upheaval in the world in the humanity so humanity better learn hopefully a, a big swath for humanity will learn. I don't think everybody will learn, but, you know, as you notice, the polarization means some parts, they're devolving. <laughs> they're not, they're not evolving. and which is a sorrow thing to see. Yeah. You know? But and um, we don't know how long this will last, so that there'll be some kind of interaction and learning between the two. You know, pole, polar polar opposites, so that the dialogue and communication and coming to some kind of recognizing we're all humans, we all have the same potential, we all have the same needs. So that's on the society level, but uh, you know, the spiritual work does not appeal to most people. Most people, both sides of the polarization, spiritual work is is seem too subtle and too far away and uh, not relevant for them. So it ends up being a segment of society who gets involved. And hopefully the upheaval will will increase the number of people who are interested in a a deeper experience, not just... uh, winning or getting my point of view or getting what i want or getting the way i want to but uh, turning inward and finding out that how about the depth my depth there is a lot there why do i keep just wanting this wanting that from outside and liking this and not liking that how about the inner beauty and racialness? If we discover that, I think, the more somebody discovered that, one doesn't see the point of the polarization. I mean, polarization is an external, outside, superficial manifestation of human potential. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the four turnings, and I mean, it's happening in this teaching that there are four turning, which is basically, I use the word four turning because the first turning is the ordinary individual kind of spirituality when one has experiences and visions, presence, all of them. Second turning is what I call the non-dual, which many people are into. For most people think the non-dual is the end of it, I move on to two other turnings to bring in other kind of experience, spiritual experience and realization. And some of them bring in the fact that there are many ways of experiencing reality, and which bring in what I call the view of totality. The view of totality is the view that can accommodate many views. Mm. So it is non-hierarchical, it doesn't say one view of reality is. Better, higher than the other, and accommodates all views that really perceive reality in many different ways. There are many ways of experiencing reality, experiencing being human, and that corresponds to the what's happening in the world and the question of diversity. For instance, the importance of diversity which is really diversity. If we accept diversity, we go beyond polarization. <laughs> you see, that's part of it. So they're happening side by side. And, and uh, the false turning specifically brings in the view of similar to diversity, but in terms of inner experience, in terms of even spiritual realization and enlightenment and then many kinds, different ways of experiencing oneself. You can be the complete silence of the universe, or you can be the point that includes all the universe, or you could be nothing and nobody at all and happy. At the same. Time. I mean, those are very different from each other. They're just just some examples, and they're all free and liberated. And so uh, there's no this. Uh, path, there's no reason of saying this is it and the other one is wrong. Yes, This is where I am now. The others are valid and I even know them or hopefully at some point I'll be open to them.
0: So that fourth turning is the view of totality, the
1: the non-hierarchical... Yes. Yeah. And the third... What's the third? Just so that people get a... The third turning has to do with the realization that... uh, Changes the meaning of unity that we find in the non-dual. Non-dual unity that the whole universe is all one fabric, interconnected fabric, and nothing is separate from everything else. But it is it appears similar to normal and said the space and object in space, but they are not separate from each other. They're all maybe expression of consciousness. And the third turning is like you bring Einstein and you collapse the whole universe. You you, you fold time, space, all the way to one location of time and space. So everything is there. So in the third turning, the realization is that Everything is me as an individual. The human being as an individual includes the whole universe, Mm. as opposed to being the human
0: in the non-dual
1: where you're not
0: the individual, you're just uh,
1: this vast. Either either the vastness, or you are part of the of the vastness. Here, the vastness is all inside you, without you having to be big. So it's a very interesting thing, but it is something, you know, when I start teaching, I realize many people said, oh, I had this experience before and now I get it and whatever, you know, because it's a, it's like uh, we recognize that base, for instance, is a concept here, mm. Me- meaning that extension and distance is a concept with a the concept, then you're not far away from me. You are far away from a certain perspective. From another perspective, you are inside me and I'm inside you.
0: And that fits for me with the experience I've had with yeah. one-on-one in particular, where it feels like we're inside of each other and we're experiencing the same thing. Even if yeah. that thing might be quite non-ordinary, you know, like as if we're experiencing experiencing ourselves as um, you know, cloud-like forms, yeah. you know. Um, and then suddenly the other person is experiencing, there we're both experiencing the same thing inside of each other. And so
1: that that fits for me, that rings true. Yeah. So you you know it from experience. So and that's what I'm finding out. I mean, yeah. So that's why that when I nandal teacher t Take it to be non-duality is it. I said, wait a minute, it is good and it is free, but it's not the only way. There are other ways that are that spiritual reality can manifest itself. And one of them is this one. It's a holographic, hologramic way of looking at experiencing reality of the universe. Right. How hologram is is each you know point has information of all other points. Similar thing, so each point has every other point, both time and space. Yeah, yeah, beautiful.
0: So um, I'd love to ask you about, um, you know, the the way that you work with the diamond approach. Um, you know, how how do people do inquiry and stuff? But I think first, I'd just love to speak to you about the personal essence too, because I think. Um, many many people in the field of coaching will find this a really important idea. I imagine the personal essence you would locate inside that first turning. Is that right? Like that's the
1: work inside the first turning? It emerges in the first turning. It continues throughout all the turnings, but it can emerge in the first turning. It's basically our spiritual nature or, or pure consciousness or true beingness can manifest itself in a personal way, instead of impersonal. As a presence, as the presence of consciousness that has a sense of personalness and a capacity, a personal capacity to interact with others as true persons. Not just as a generic person, but each one as a unique individual with their own qualities, capacities, limitations, and all of that. So that way, the personal essence gives us an an inner way of being and a kind of intelligence and guidance of how to relate to other beings, especially human beings, for what they are. Not just as the vastness, they are the vastness, but they are also, they have their... their, uh, personal situation, personal life personal challenges their qualities, their contribution their excellences and you know all of that are uh, taken into consideration so when I work with somebody all that is important, it's important to have the personal essence be part of what's happening because that's the part that, that's the relational part it's, it's the relational quality of spirit is the personal essence the which has in it the sense of contact, contactfulness. You actually know what contact is, not as a physical contact, not as an emotional contact, not as a mental contact. All of these are experienced as reverberation, shadows of the real contact, which is the, just the pure being. By being myself, I'm in contact with you because I am pure contact. So contact is a quality of spirit. Turns out, mm. that's the yeah. interesting thing, you know. Personalness and contact turn out to be a way uh, spiritual nature or pure awareness expresses itself as. That's
0: why I think this is so important for our time, in that this contact seems to be, to, to I can imagine, that if more and more people experience this personal essence through, through more than just that first turning, but the the other ones you mentioned that that could be a way that we might begin to um, collaborate more um, skillfully in the world and not just kind of be a spiritual practitioner on the mountainside checking out or just being purely the personal self, but we can actually, um, access our greater levels of of creativity and and connection. And I don't know if that resonates with you. Without becoming any kind of activist, you know, trying to change the world through an ideology, but more through this kind of contact you talk about.
1: Yeah, so the contact becomes important for, like, personal relationship with one friend, family, for instance. You're real with them then. You real are your own presence. And you see them as real, as real human being. And uh, how I talk to one person is different than talk to another person. You know, because they have different sensitivities and different sensibility and different mindset. So there's awareness and, and touchness with, with their mindset, like Sometime I, I you know watch or listen to Nandiwal teacher talking about a student asking a question and the whole they all turn me said, your problem is that you believe you're separate. Or you're not seeing your consciousness. And I said, How is that useful to this person? This person has no idea what you're talking about. And you tell them you're separate. <laughs> I I am you know, if somebody asks me a question, i I ask them a question I say, well where are you coming from? What are you experiencing? What are you experiencing yourself as? You know, and tell me about you. And then I can interact with them and give them something that is appropriate to them. They might not be ready to be not separate, <laughs> being universal consciousness. They might be ready to just experience themselves as loving or sensitive or have some integrity before they get into that. So that's the usefulness of the personal lessons is that it is appropriate for the particular personal situation for the particular individual. Yeah. So it is, I can see how it will be useful for coaching because the coach has to really be relate to their client in, a, in an appropriate way for who they are, not just... Apply to them uh, some kind of a system, regardless of where they are. It, it's totally
0: true. I think that's this is I mentioned to you in the check-in about the, a new wave of coaching, but I think attunement is is um, a really important part of that. You know, can I attune to my client, and can I make this kind of contact that you're describing? Because from that place, um, well, how, it's interesting how I'd I describe this, but. It's, it's not when we drop our methods and our theories and actually we're in just a very authentic attunement with our client where they seem to unfold then in a kind of a pro, appropriate way or organic way. And I'm just curious what that's like, that experience of contact is like for you. You know, if you, your,
1: your pers- what's your experience of it like when it's when it's there? Well, you see, the experience of contact is that I'm experiencing myself, my being, as made out of contact. I'm the very substance of contact, and, and like my, contact, well, my contact capacity is independent of what I say or what I do. You see, by just being myself, I am in contact. So I'm in contact with you, we're talking and conversing, and that's contact, but that is just only one dimension of contact. The contact of being, the the pure consciousness itself and contact from person to person. Yeah. And so when you're uh, working with somebody, it's very important that what I say, what I do is appropriate to where they happen to be at that moment. Not just tell them, well, go meditate on this, or go uh, just drop your ego, drop your separateness. I mean, you know, I mean, you need somebody who has been practicing for 30 years to tell them, drop your ego, you know. For most people, you know, telling them, responding to them appropriately first means finding out where they are what's happening, how they experience things and what makes them tick. And then that way working with them, uh, you know, in an intelligent way so that they can understand where they are and they can be free from it or go beyond it to some deeper part of themselves, other dimensions of themselves. But
0: um, I think I'm right in saying this is another really important part of the work, of the diamond approach is being where you are and and a sense of bringing a sense of curiosity to that and allowing that so that then it begins to unfold or uh, reveal it's, you know, a thread or something, you know, something emergence takes place.
1: Yeah. Is that right? That is true. And it is an important part of the way Uh, We work with with individuals. Which is, uh, instead of telling a person, you visualize this, or drop this, or go do this, we ask the person, what are you experiencing right now? Right? What's happening right now? What is occurring in your consciousness right now? That means where one is at the moment. And understanding that, uh, at first being aware of it, not rejecting it, not trying to change it, not trying to go someplace, just having it be there, accepting it as it is, in an open way, not accepting the sense that's it forever, but mean not rejecting it, not not manipulating it, letting it be. It begins to reveal what's it about, what is its meaning, what's connected to it, what's causing it or what's related to because this is all based on the understanding that we are a, a totality we are a wholeness all parts of us are connected to all other parts even our ordinary experience like sadness or fear or that's happening these days for instance or loneliness or isolation or anger or frustration they're also related to a deep part of ourselves. The sadness is related to our compassion. The fear is related to our awareness. The anger is related to our inner power. You know, uh, our um, you know frustration is related to our inner uh, uh, stillness and peace, and our uh, thing like that. So if you let it be and explore it. It will take you to other parts that are laid because everything is interconnected. So to t- to push away something, trying to get something else, it's like you're not, trying, you're not taking into full consideration the fact that everything is interconnected. You don't need to th- throw away anything. So... So being where we are is the entry into reality because that's what we got at <laughs> the moment, you know. And instead of trying to say, no, that's not it, reality is something else, say, that is how reality it is now for me. And let me just understand it and hold it and embrace it completely so it reveals further meaning to it, the further dimension of it itself. And that way, it reveals its connection to other parts. It could be personal history, could be cultural connection, could be mental belief, but it could be some qualities or dimensions of our spiritual nature. Mm. That's beautiful. And what what's um,
0: what's important in in um, holding that that way of being like it's not just a mental exercise is it, it I, I when i hear you speak about it it sounds
1: much more than that um well of course what, what does it require from us yeah you, you cannot do it just from a mental place if, if you are from a mental place you, <laughs> you're identified with a mental place which has a particular attitude a position you have to be in a place of being, of, of your true nature, or essential or spiritual nature, which has no position and has no preference. It is just being what it is. And the personal essence quality uh, translates that uh, equanimous, non-rejecting, uh, sort of uh, embracing beingness. Uh, Expresses it in a personal way in terms relating to my experience or somebody else's experience to look at it that way. So, and and with that comes many kind of capacities that come with the personal essence, like sensitivity and compassion and love and enjoyment of another, curiosity. Uh, strength and determination so that one is not discouraged easily, you know, and uh, clarity and uh, solidity and confidence. All these come through, and they are felt qualities of being. It's a felt uh, sense of what I am at the the moment. They're they're not mental thing or thing I think they're, they're good. they just Come through naturally if one has uh, opened up to them. Yeah, yeah I, I, um, I've seen
0: this in my clients where they experience a sense of wholeness as a felt experience. Mm-hmm. And it's not just alluded to as a kind of, um, you know, espoused to, like, oh, it's great, we're all whole, but actually it's experienced directly. And, um, just that experience in and of itself is so powerful for people because I, I, like, I remember a client saying, this is what I've been looking for. Like, this is like coming home. Like I was, and I think this is one of the things that I think why, why, uh, what you're talking about is so important for the field of coaching, because many people, um, coaching can have this tendency to be someone's feeling a sense of deficiency or lack, and then they come into coaching, they want to kind of create something else in order not to feel that. And actually, I know in your work you speak about the theory of holes and, and, and uh, feeling the absence, and, and then that can be – that's a really important part, so I'm not moving away from the sense of deficiency.
1: Well, that's, again, related to the fact that everything is interconnected. So the deficiency is, is not there haphazardly, has a meaning in one's personal experience as relevant to one's, uh, where one is in, in their development. So experiencing the deficiency, it will reveal if we, if we stay with it and embrace it, not reject it, not try to make it not deficient, that it is related to the fact that we disconnected from something. We feel a sense of disconnection which would feel like an emptiness like a something is missing, and that sense of disconnection if we if we again stay with it and not reject it and not see it as something bad, but this is the way we are where we are at the moment can open up to whatever uh quality that we felt deficient in like if it is strength for example, if we feel weak for instance or hesitant or scared we become connected with a sense of fiery strength and it like, makes us bold and courageous and expanded and big you see? so that's why i don't want to reject i don't want people to reject their deficiency but to see it as a portal into other parts of themselves because everything is interconnected everything is meaningful meaningfully interconnected. They're not just interconnected some kind of a geometrical way. You know, they're interconnected interconnected and experiential way which has meaning to who and what we are and what is the possibilities of our life and how to actualize our potential. Do you you think
0: that the personal essence has similarities to the idea of soul that some people talk about, like James Hillman. Um, maybe it's found in the Sufi tradition. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, because I know you use the word soul, too. Uh, yes. but, but, you know, this idea that we have a unique purpose, a unique um, kind of offering in this lifetime place in the web of life. Um, do you do you find that that's true of the personal essence?
1: Uh, um, yeah, I, I differentiate uh, between yeah. the personal essence and soul. Soul is what we are all the time as an individual consciousness. Like you are now as an individual, but you have your own consciousness, that's not necessarily the cosmic consciousness, the individual consciousness that is aware and feels and things and all that. that that's the soul. and that goes through that's what goes through the metamorphosis and transformation. The personal essence is a certain development in the soul which has to do with the individuation of the soul where the soul becomes a true autonomous individual. It's not just a formless uh, consciousness that is individual with qualities and capacities and potentialities, but it it matures and develops and becomes a true person, uh, an integrated person, which has a sense of wholeness then. Yeah, and I guess, I was just
0: curious about whether, cause I know there's this idea around and I, I it kind of draws to me of like, there's this purpose that I can enact in the world. Um, maybe even use the word service, like, and that, you know, your service is different from my service and from others. And would you, do you find that when people embody that personal essence there is that sense of being a a, a, a a unique contribution or service in the world
1: well first of all our own our the fact that we are the unique human being we are is already a contribution yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, nobody, yeah and nobody can make that contribution except us because nobody's like us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, but you're talking about purpose in terms of what we do, you see, what we contribute. And yes, because we are all unique and different, our contribution will be different. And you could, uh, could think of it as a, some people experience that purpose, some people don't experience that purpose. They just experience it as That is what they like doing, or this is their contribution, or this is their service. So there are different ways of saying it, but each human being is unique, and their presence in the world is a contribution. And how this uh, consciousness develops will express itself in a particularly unique way. Which you could say is is the purpose of that individual mm, yeah,
0: yeah, thanks for that i I wondered about that and um,
1: um but you see the the yeah. thing is uh, I don't use the word purpose much, partly because in this teaching uh, we don't aim toward any particular end. And the word purpose has that connotation. I'm, I'm going someplace. And, you know, it, the teaching is more open-ended. So you might have a purpose, but you don't have to think you have a purpose. You see what I mean? It has It has to come spontaneously and, and naturally. And so other people say, well, that's the purpose of this person. But I myself don't know. I don't think about it that way. I am just what I am, and I do what I do.
0: Which feels a lot more how it should be to me, you know? Like Because I do see people where they get that sense of, oh, what's my purpose? But it actually creates suffering, you know? It creates a sense of tension and and lack, again, you know, rather than... um, Uh, yeah, being with their experience as it is. Um, And, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, the more we are truly ourselves, which means the more we actualize our deeper potentialities, the more our contribution will reveal it, will show itself, the more we, uh, the way we live and uh, express ourselves in the world, will be our unique development, our unique integration of the potential of humanity. And that is, everybody's different that way. And that might manifest in having a certain cause in life or you could call it cause or more like, what is your vocation or what is your interest or what really turns you on? or what you find meaningful, or what you find useful. And, you know, different people see it, use different words. I think purpose is an old way of looking at it, you see. That traditionally was being called purpose.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's a word that would be better fitting for you. I don't know if that's
1: the right question, but that's what comes up. I will call it one's unique contribution. Yeah. yeah. One, one, one unique embodiment. Yeah. And the- because, because embodiment means uh, what we have learned and experienced is... Is in our is embodied not only in our body, but embodied meaning it is here in my consciousness, in my life. And it is come it comes through. And do do you find
0: just on what you said there it comes through? I see more and more people interested now in um that sense of coming through, like um, speaking from the embodiment of that unique. Yeah. Uh, uh, rather than, it feels like we've. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know about the history of this. Maybe it's since the Enlightenment era and scientific rationalism. We've abstracted out, um, and we reflect upon our experience a lot, and and we've relied on our rational minds. And I see people interested now in expanding their sense of how do I, where do I come from in in the moment, and this sense of um, speaking from maybe gnosis, you know, where um, yeah. being and knowing come together. Um, could you
1: say something about that? Like, the, Well, the being the, and knowing yeah. is, is knowing one's being. You know, yeah. uh, to be uh, is both knowing and being at the same time. You know, to say I am, you know, or is, or to say, uh, I am pure awareness. just knowing a being at the same time. But, but the, the knowing is not separate from the being. That's what noses mean, immediate knowing. The immediacy is the beingness. And, uh, and we know, we can know our pure awareness, which is the same for everybody else, Awareness expresses itself through each soul. Uh, It expresses itself in qualities and dimensions and capacities that are different for each person, and different combination, different configuration, and has something to do with our soul itself, has to do with our education, our situation, our culture, all of that, which... Make us be unique, and we're unique in many dimensions. And by the way, in many, uh, we're unique in our body, we're unique in our mind, we're unique in our soul, we're unique in our spiritual uh, realization. We, I mean, we're unique in so many ways, and th- that that also brings in the question of diversity and equalness. Because if you accept your uniqueness, to recognize other people are unique, then there'll be diff- uniqueness mean difference. But difference doesn't mean opposition. Mm-hmm. Mean everybody just being themselves. So everybody being themselves in their own uniqueness does not have to create polarization. Because <laughs> because people now they think if you're different from me, I am opposed to you. You know mean, you know, create nationalism and, you know, racism and all because, because they're different. And here, if you accept the true uniqueness of being, the difference is is something to be celebrated. It's a good thing. It, it, it adds richness. And I'm glad you're different and you speak differently, have different way of looking at the world because it enriches my world. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So, as you see, you know the uniqueness and purpose they go together that way, and they express our wholeness and uh, and the more we are uh, the wholeness of all what we actualize our potential. Uh, the more our presence in the world, as I said, is is already a contribution. And then what we do, how that expresses itself in terms of how we communicate, what we put out, what we do, what we say. There's further uh, contribution. Some of us write books about one, either or another, or develop a certain a scientific method, or, or have a, have a, an interest in, um, in developing uh, online platforms, or uh, interest in in seeing how our environmental crisis can be solved in a way that is workable. For instance, these are great contributions. I mean, different people contribute to all of these things, you know, in their own way. So that that makes the whole human uh, race be cooperative. You know, I mean, we are social being. We, we need each other, <laughs> you know. Human beings need, always needed uh, other human beings. And we, as a race, we really need all of us, you know because we are, uh, you know, not not a nation, we are a race, we are a whole species, and we are there might not be any other like us in the whole universe, you know, -hmm. know, we're it on this planet, and uh, it's good for us, for as many of us to wake up to the fact of our humanness, and uh, so that our humanness is what contributes to the to the richness of humanity. I think so. All this is is relevant, and we could talk about many parts of it. You know, parse it out and all that. But you know, mm. that gives a feel of uh, all of that. Also, is an expression of the inner mystery and inner vastness of a spiritual nature. And they're not two two things, they're two sides of the same thing. The inner nature is very, it could be vast, but also pure simplicity. Those are so so simple, you can't say anything about it. At the same time, it comes out in in terms of contribution of all this unique kind of configuration of both uh, being and expression being and doing yeah it's
0: as you you speak i kind of feel the invitation or the uh, uh, evocation of this experience of being the mystery and yet being human and it being vast and being simple and 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 um a sense of kind of personalness here right now as well and a, a sense of contact yeah maybe it's yeah. maybe it's the yeah. holographic yeah. nature yeah.
1: yeah so you're feeling the personal in the contact and that's the personal essence quality because we're, we're talking focusing some on it and uh, but all of it points to the fact everything in us is interconnected with everything else in us you know and that's the importance of of uh, acknowledging and embracing where we are at the moment yeah. whatever happens to be occurring in the moment yeah yeah the, no, my, no, my no, wish no. is this is our portal to reality our portal to further <laughs> voyages you know into <laughs> our you know, you know vast universe
0: yeah no, and that, that, that's why I wanted to share what you have to say with our community, because if, if every conversation could have this, you know, this voyage, be a voyage in some kind of okay. way, I think that would be a wonderful thing. You know, that would be a beautiful thing without making that a, a standard, you know, that it has to be a
1: certain way. So, yeah, other people see it differently and use different language, and that is fine. That is part of the non-hierarchical, you know, view of totality that accommodate every human being, you know, yeah. with their way of experiencing reality. But the way of experiencing reality, when you say they accommodate all views, that means views of truth, views of reality, not, not made up something in the mind, Otherwise, you include delusions and, you know, and, and just ideas and all of that, which are okay, but they're not really, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the immediacy of experience. To be true a human being, to be an actualized human being, you're experiencing your humanness as an actual presence of consciousness, not an ideology. And I think you just feel
0: the difference, huh? Like you, you like there's an inherent truthfulness to truth, yeah. Like it, it you know yeah. when you're in truth, like it,
1: it's very different than being in an ideology. Exactly. Yeah, an ideology is a mental thing, and while spiritual too, especially is it, is is something here, some uh, some calm presence, really some kind of a continuum of consciousness of the particular flavor and quality. Yeah. I'd love to
0: ask you, just as we kind of have move into our last, you know, Mm -hmm. um, part of our conversation, just about, I know you're bringing the Diamond approach online more, and... Uh, um, maybe you could say something about if there is some events coming up and, and your vision for, for bringing it online and just your vision for the work in general.
1: Yeah, I mean, this year I'm doing several things online. That you. Remind me of that. Uh, I am giving a lecture series. One thing is a lecture series of six lectures, I am using my knowledge the, not to teach a damn approach, but to explore and discuss the contribution of various important uh, teachers and teachings. Ah. Uh, it, it's, a, it's sort of a contemplation of the teaching of people like Nisargadatta Maharaj, Krishnamurti, Dogan, and teachings like uh, Dzogchen and Advaita Veda Vedanta. Because I, I want to give my understanding of these things, I'm not going to teach them because I'm not in those uh, tradition. But I see there's although people are interested in those in those people and teaching, there's a lot of misunderstanding and or partial understanding and love distortion. Like even Nisargadatta, people love Nisargadatta, but they neglect many important things that he says <laughs> that we're not seeing. So I want to bring in some completeness, some moral illumination. That's one thing I'm doing. The other thing I'm doing is that we're planning to do, give what we call an online group. First time we do an online group, our groups usually are in-person, ongoing groups that meet and weekends or retreats. So the situation now gave us the idea to well maybe we could do it online. So that way it will have a global community. The group will be global from everywhere. And that will start toward the end of this year, but in the beginning of the year we're giving introductory weekends about to give a taste of what, what our kind of thing we're going to be teaching. We're calling it the Lightness of Being series. Mm. And and these are online teachings uh, that give some of the teachings of some of the things we're talking about, some of the yeah. qualities of being and true nature. And to prepare for the online group, online group, then the person, people will sign up for it. It's an ongoing thing. There's a commitment and there's a seriousness of an, engaging a practice and uh, having a teacher. And uh, just like, you know, being part of a spiritual community or a spiritual group. So that will be the, pro- the online projects <laughs> for this year. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: how have you found the work translates uh, from being in person
1: to being online? Well, you know, last year, the teaching I've done and the school we've done, the school is all mostly online. Yeah. Because we couldn't do it in person. So we used the Zoom Zoom format. And in the beginning, I was concerned about it because first I like seeing the people being there and there that right in front of me. I could talk with them, to them, and hear from them, ask questions. But then it turned out, you know, the... In the online format is, um, it lacks that, you know, sort of uh, immediate physical presence there, right? Like something. But however, it brings some other dimension, I noticed, other things which I didn't think about before, which is uh, everybody is right there on the screen you see so in some sense you join a group and if i'm sitting in a group with like 100 200 people 500 people you know the people are in different rows here everybody has front <laughs> front line row you know everybody in the front row so everybody see me directly listen to me and then when i talk with people I'm really talking one-to-one close, which is different from a group, somebody at the end of the meeting, I'm talking with them and they're talking through a microphone. I mean, it does happen and it works, lively, but this one has the more, in some sense, it brings a different kind of intimacy. Yeah, I was going to ask, what, what does it bring, like this difference? Yeah, it brings a different kind of intimacy. It brings in the thing we talked about, at some point where uh, you know we are in each other, within each other, we close, we so close. There's no distance between us. It 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 uses that principle, you know what I call unilocality. It uh, brings that kind of unity. I mean, kind of intimacy. That is. Interesting, which made me think of the possibility why not do an online group and see what happened? See, we I'm not sure yet how far I can go in the teaching doing the online thing because it goes even you need an interaction of a teacher, a student, but it is to be seen. I mean, it is, it is a new frontier in some sense, you know, and and my concern, you know, when the first online thing started happening a few years ago, people were doing online courses and everything went online whatever, I was concerned that people would lose some kind of immediacy, some kind of intimacy some kind of personalness, so the online thing, and I wanted to make sure that that's not lost, I wanted, uh, and also not only um, intimacy, whatever Because the online thing format, there's so many online things. Many people who are approached spiritual work, they get into sampling. They go this and then this and that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are thousands of them. And by the time you sample all of them, half of your life is gone. While spiritual work, you really need to dedicate yourself to a path and follow it to its depth for you to really learn, mature, and develop. So, uh, so one way of attempting to deal with that is having an online group, an ongoing one where people are engaged in an ongoing way. Yeah, yeah. So sure. we'll see; it's an experiment, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I think that's the, the, there are there are
0: definitely people out there who can create depth online. You know, like it's. Yeah it's really possible to create a field, you know, a container where,
1: and it, and it sounds like it's happening for you. And um, Well, I see, I, I know it with our already existing groups so of already meeting in person. Now they're going online. So they already know each other. So there's a community happening online, and there's uh, interaction and aliveness and people by the end of it feeling all love and connection and gratitude. And I've done some for newer people, and some of that happened. The question is um, how far it goes. And uh, that's my experiment. I'm not saying it's not going to go. It might. It might bring in other elements I didn't think about. So I'm curious about what will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'd
0: I'd love (laughs) (laughs) love to talk to you in another year and see... See what yeah. came out of it. Because I, I do think there's something about the scale, you know, of going online. Um, not that it's about scale in a sense of like more, 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 but no, like how, how can this work touch the lives of people who
1: Yeah that might not being, yeah. and also the diversity. Right. Having the national group, like you're having people from many cultures. So the question of difference and uniqueness is diversity is really there, you know, naturally there, you know. And while people have to speak English, that's uh, (laughs) one thing, you know you know, so I could talk to them. But otherwise, there'll be people from many countries from all over the world. And it'll be interesting those people to interact because we do, many of our practices are interactive, interpersonal. So people will have to talk to each other and that would be a different kind of learning, I think. Could could I just have one question?
0: Um, You said something about following the path to, you know, one path, not just sampling. And and I of course I think that just makes total sense. And I wonder how what you would think of um, a kind of cross disciplinary type learning that seems to be popular now, um, even like meta systemic meta um, psychological, and, and even how that fits in with this fourth turning you mentioned, where you recognize the the true. There are many different kind of types of spiritual truth or, or realms and yeah like um because i guess what i'm saying is maybe i totally get the side of it where if you, you stay superficial if you jump from one thing to another you know you don't go anywhere but on the other hand could something come out of being cross-disciplinary with different
1: spiritual traditions you can do that, you know, to, for it to be effective and works. You might be able to do it with a couple of, you know, disciplines. You do more than that, and you can't engage in that deeply. It takes time to engage a spiritual path. Yeah. You know, and it means developing skills and attitude, you know, that are important for for following a particular path. And that's not simple. I mean, people take, you know, ordinarily, even when they meet in person, it takes years, decades for somebody to really learn that. That the traditional way, the tried way. <laughs> we know it works. And to... Um, so the uh, um, the different kind of realization happened by following a particular path, not by following many paths, you see.
0: Yeah.
1: If you're really open your potential, and a spiritual teaching can open you to your potential. And then that potential can manifest. And then when you're deep in a spiritual path, then you can work and experiment and, you know, learn from other traditions and all that to expand your horizons. That, that, that's what I would recommend. But right. I would, got you. Not to try to do it from the beginning. Yeah. I think in the beginning, it makes sense for people to try a few things to see which one fits, works for them, which one they resonate with. Because You need to find the teaching that resonates with you, that you feel speaks to you, that uh, its language or its methodology is something that can you can make sense and you feel uh, in harmony with. And a teacher who will you feel harming? harmony? That, that's you know you, that doesn't happen easily. You might need to meet you know, to do several people do different things. but then you settle on something, and then when you settle on something, you really settle. Mm-hmm. You Otherwise, you know your your consciousness is jumping around yeah. instead of deepening.
0: Yeah. Um Hamid, I just wanna thank you for uh for being generous with your time today. Is there anything we didn't mention that, that's important for you to mention uh to name in our conversation, thinking even that there are, you know, thousands of coaches gonna listen to this from around
1: the world, you know, as you as you just mentioned. Um well, I think we talked about some of the things that many things that are are important. I think, first of all, uh, learning to respect where one is at the moment is very important, I think, for any kind of coaching or work, spiritual work, because we're respecting ourselves then, and to respect the other person that that way. Uh, But not in the sense of finality, but uh, with openness, that, that's where one is, and if you understand it, it will transform. And you don't know how it's going to transform. You don't have a, a, a plan in your mind, or a purpose, in the sense of, it should go that way, to be open. First, to be open to what, where we are, to open how it's going to change. Beautiful. I found that the most effective way for me. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and thank you for uh, the work you brought into the world. That I've I've had very beautiful experiences reading your books, like psychoactive experiences reading your books, and and being in the quasar in Amsterdam many years ago. Uh, it's a very very beautiful experiences.
1: Um, well, good talking yeah. to you, Joel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, here we are. It's the end, and just a quick word to say: if you're not on our mailing list and you're still here at the the on the other side of the po- the podcast, listening to me, kudos to you! And join our mailing list if you feel like it. You'll stay in the loop about the cool things we create that aren't this podcast. So uh, you can head to coachesrising.com and put your name in the sign up box there. All right, see you again.